Everyone, welcome to the inaugural first Jammers in the Rough. We are doing a little bit of a soft reset. Um, we did about 14, 15 weeks of a trial run. Um, we went live and got a lot of great feedback. And so with that, we took this last couple of weeks off and decided to revamp for the new year. This is going to help us put our catalog on Spotify as well as YouTube and make us more accessible to you guys. So we're super excited about that and getting this kind of us out there, right? Quick introductions. My name is Paige, Hurtado, Slash Smith, whatever you want to use as my last name. I picked up a couple sponsors, right? This last three weeks, I decided to go out and get some validity behind my name. So I am Paige, a part of Team Terminal Velocity. Paige, a Grow It ambassador. I am still sponsored by Cerberus Strength, which is strong, man. So I'm doing my best to represent our community disc golf lounge out there in the foremost. For time's sake, Cody, give us an introduction. I changed my mind. <laughs> oh, I got to change it. All right. Uh, I am Cody Waldron. Um, I'm actually also on Team Terminal Velocity. Uh, so on the same team as Paige. That's right. Um, PE teacher. Got three kids. Wife. Been playing disc golf for a couple years and just really excited to talk about this. I can talk about disc golf all day, all the time. I'm a PE teacher, so I'm playing constantly with my kids. I had a challenge this week. Who could make the most disc golf shots from uh, 11, 22, and 30 feet? And my, my eight-year-old son won it. What's up, buddy? So, yeah. yeah, that was pretty cool. Josh? Yeah, my name is Josh Winter. I am co-founder of Grow It Disc Golf. It is a program we designed to give back to the disc golf community. We mainly focus on the younger generation, but we've done projects and fundraisers across the board in the disc golf world. Um, our main focus is doing thing we can within our means to grow this beautiful sport. Um, we've been doing it for a little over a year now. I'm excited for 2022 and what, that, what that's going to bring for us. I'm also co-founder of Discmania Ben Only on Facebook. It's a buy and sell Discmania collectors page. Um, I own Moonlight Disc Golf, which is based here in Eugene, Oregon, where I live with my wife and two kids. Um, I'm sponsored by Elevation Disc Golf, um, the best rubber discs out there. <laughs> I dedicate a lot of my time to disc golf, um, and I love it, and I don't see myself stopping. No, thank you for that. And those that aren't familiar with our podcast... Um, a lot of it is, you know, obviously podcast driven. It's completely biased opinions and we are the bias, right? We're <laughs> all of different skill sets. We do have like a little bit of weight in some of these like Facebook communities, but ultimately at the core of who we are, we just love disc golf and we love talking about disc golf. And so I just wanted to kind of put that in the forefront of your minds when you guys are listening to us to keep, you know, that in mind, right? Like our opinions are our opinions. I know we carry our sponsors and I'm sure Zach over at Terminal Velocity will have my back for whatever I say. And if not, then go attack him, not me. Um, yes. <laughs> but also those that aren't familiar with this, we do bring in guests occasionally. These are guests from different companies, um, from the community, um, big collectors, just some fun amateurs, just whatever. So if you're looking forward to kind of joining us on a weekly basis, we go from Friday at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and we're just continuing to move forward from there weekly. So join us for some special guests and some fun to be had. 
So with that, let's get into our first question, right? I always hate these like long introductions. So what the heck is going on with the pro sponsor shakeup? And what's with all of these new deals, guys? This like I for not talking for three weeks, I've really tried to like bite my tongue because I was like, I know we're gonna talk about this on the podcast. And I've really tried to wait, but what's going on? <laughs> yeah, like what's blowing my mind the most is how many people are ending their contracts early. Like most most of the big names that have been announced so far, it's like, hey, we're gonna end our three-year contract two years early. Um, I mean, Innova is losing people left and right. Most of them are going to Dynamic. Um, so I'm curious, I'm curious on how that all happened. Like, did Dynamic just start, like, sniping all the Innova players? Um, they, still have, they still have Calvin. I don't think – has Calvin announced if he's staying he's, with Innova? He's the only one there. They announced him as part of the team for this upcoming year. Okay. But I was gonna say, like, it, it reminds me. I'm not sure if you guys like pay attention to basketball at all. But when did they sign? Like, it was like five or six years ago. They signed like their big billion dollar contract with the TV rights, and all of the teams had this ridiculous money. And next thing you know, they're given kind of like B level, like six string, like fifth, six string type players, monster seventy million dollar contracts because they had all of this money. Um, for me. Watching us get out of COVID was the one thing that everybody talked about during COVID, right? Um, we have a shortage of supply. We have a higher demand. This is the game of quarantine. We have more eyes on disc golf than we ever had. All of this has led, led to a, you know, highest money they, these companies probably ever made. And what I like about some of these companies is they're reinvesting it back into their players. Um, and the ability to break some of those contracts, I think is great. Like nothing worse than, you know, watching some players that struggle on a franchise, like I think Kevin Love, I'm a basketball guy, right? Kevin Love on the Cavaliers, like, yeah, he didn't carry his weight and they needed to shed him. But after LeBron left, he was still kind of, you know, maybe demanding that $30 million that he's getting a year. Like for his ability to break that and go and reset instead of having to be rebuild and pretty much waste like three or four years um, and lose that. So for me, like on this other end, I love watching these players have the ability to break their contracts. I think that's going to change in like three to five years. You start to bring agents in, then the companies are going to start to bring their lawyers in, and they're going to have like pretty like tight contracts. Um, but for me, I feel like this new wave of money, like these players need to get, get paid what they're worth. They need to be able to tour. Nothing breaks my heart more than watching like pros not be able to tour. You know, Matty O being one of them. He was one of those, like, you didn't see on any of the West Coast tournaments. You only really saw him in this, like, very small nook. And he was always successful. He was always winning. Dickerson, you never really saw him on this West Coast either. And so for their ability to break the contracts and in their prime position themselves to be successful, for me, that gets really exciting. And I don't think it's about any manufacturer because – I think we get away. This is me. This is my long rant. Like, like I said, I've been holding on this for three weeks. Yeah, do guys. it. Guys, like, I get, I'm so like, cause like, it's not everybody like Max Exodus, like Innova, because like in 2012, 13, everybody went to Prodigy because they came out with this new revolutionary pay scale that was supposed to allow these people to tour, supposed to allow these guys to be treated like an employee. And everybody bought in for a second. And it seemed like Prodigy just came and swoop up out of nowhere, all of these pros. Um, and then eventually the world got back to normal. And all of these pros kind of dissipated. You see Ulibari and Calling went back to, you know, Innova and Discraft respectively. And you saw all of this other thing. So for me, like, 
we're just kind of hitting this new wave. There's new money and new transitions. But sorry, that's my my long wind because man, it's been it's been crazy. It's been a whirlwind. I, I think you're right. Um, it's going to change a lot of stuff. So I'm a big baseball follower, and right now this is considered like hot stove, where it's winter break. So all the teams are picking up free agents and everything. And the new thing in baseball, I wouldn't say super new, is opt-outs in clauses where people can leave their clause after one year. If they've had a good year, they can leave. So it's kind of seems like with this sport growing, what they say grew 800% over quarantine. I mean, that's ridiculous. People realize that money is in it. Macbeth got that $10 million uh, contract, and that was kind of like – it's almost like one of them fell, the dominoes, and now they're all going. I mean, just even what Dickerson was yesterday, it was just like, all right, Dickerson's gone. Haley King's gone. The We still don't know where Haley King, um, Dickerson, and who's the third one? Kristen Tart, or no, uh, Kat. Yeah, we don't know yeah. where they're going. Yeah, we, so we, have, we have three of them that are just three high-profile players that have no home right now, or at least that we don't know about. And, and Nico. So, I don't think Nico's announced Nico, yet. yeah, I forgot about Nico. So that's four. So I, I think in coming years, like Paige said, there's going to start being agents. I think people are going to start having legit contracts. Um, I mean, four years, $4 million from Ricky. That's pretty big. Um, and you might start seeing opt-outs. You might start seeing other sort of big deals. But players are going to start getting paid for what they're worth. I mean, before, like you said, you had some guys on tour that were selling discs. I remember Andrew Marweed last year during quarantine was like, Hey, I got to sell some discs so I can get, uh, keep playing on tour. Like you're a, you have your signature tour series disc and Innova cannot pay for you to play like that. That's ridiculous to me. I mean, even, uh, MLB, like the guaranteed contract for like base level is like 600,000 or something stupid. Like, I'm, I'm sorry. You're saying disc golf could not pay their players hundred thousand dollars where they could have a van and some of them didn't even get their entry fee for tournaments covered. What? How is that a thing? Like they couldn't pay the 50 to a hundred dollars to get their sponsored player. It's to like play? 200 to 300, but, but still, okay, still the, the point still the same, right? It's negligible at that point. Yeah. Like at that <laughs> point, like they couldn't sell an extra six disc and Hey, here's your money. Um, that just blew my mind that they had to pay their own way to play for this company. Well, I think that goes to show, like, too, like, I think a lot of the, the hype around, like, Ricky was that he wasn't selling enough discs, right? There was all those murmurs and all these, like, rumors, and that's what they are, like, so I don't want to give him too much validity, but it's still, like, I like that it stems, or sparks that conversation around these pro athletes aren't hustlers, they're not sellers, they shouldn't be selling discs out of the back of the trunk so that they can get gas or get dinner to get home or that they can get to the next tournament. They should be hustling these discs out of the trunk because they want to meet and greet fans, you know, and it becomes that level of like, hey, you should want to do this, not that you have to do this. You know, these aren't salesmen, they're disc golfers. And I like, that's one of those things I like about Paul and Ricky is that competitive edge when it's in season, they are just about the grind. I've heard stories about Ricky on the course where he's by himself and he's just playing through by himself because he's just, he's practicing, he's getting in that, that edge and, he doesn't, he doesn't want to be distracted. Like, I mean, granted, like he'll still like stop by a fan and everything, but he's still there for a reason. And the more we can allow these like competitors to compete and not have to sell, then I feel like even the interactions are going to be funner, right? When you have Paige Pierce or, you know, Nate Perkins or somebody at the meet and greet 
it's not a chore for them and they're more willing to engage wholeheartedly versus that little bit of like, oh, go hustle and move these discs. Well, I mean, yeah, you don't see LeBron selling his jerseys outside of a game, do you? No. But um, do you think do you think that has anything to do with Paul leaving foundation disc golf where he's maybe starting to realize he doesn't he doesn't need to work for foundation. He he probably wants to win another world tour. I mean, he wants to be another world champion. So maybe he's taking away those things that are going to distract him and grind out a little bit more. That's that's kind of my thought on the thing. Like, he dropped out of foundation. I wonder if he's going to be more serious about his practice time, what he's doing with his time instead of being spread thin into so many different avenues. Yeah, I, think, I mean, well, that, that could also come down to, like, the contract that he signed. With true. You know, they could have said you can finish out the next year with foundation, but then you're going to have to leave. <laughs> Um, and dedicate everything to Discraft, uh, which is a possibility. Um, I wouldn't put it past them, yeah. I mean. Yeah. Hmm. But, you know, with, like, the agents, you know, the sports agents picking up players, I think that's going to happen super soon um, if it's not already currently happening. I was with a group of guys playing disc golf uh, a couple days ago, and they brought up the fact that, like, Haley King – the theory that they were talking about is that an agent could have picked her up um, and decided what route she wants to, that they should take with her. And there's a possibility that we're going to see a new name come in to the sponsorship realm, whether it be Nike, Adidas. You know, it could be another company like that that's outside of the norm um, picking up some of these players, especially like Haley King. She's young. She has so much promise coming in uh, to the game. For 2022, um, she is a good candidate for one of those outside companies to pick up, um, and you know, and see the growth that they're going to see inside of disc golf because disc golf is growing already, and people are noticing. Um, so it's just a matter of time before something like that happens. I think it's a really good point. I think like somebody like V Apparel, what is it? VII Apparel. Like, I didn't know how to say because Dickerson he just posted today that he can't be sponsored by them anymore. So it makes me wonder. Is he getting another sponsorship from a clothing company or is where he's going sell clothes where he can't be sponsored by them? Who knows? Yeah. Well, I was going to say too, like if they're sponsoring players and that's like, you know, they're doing the jerseys and everything working with like thought space athletics, like what happens with that next step? Because, you know, we, we look about free advertisement. I think that was a hot topic last year of like, you know, Drew Gibson coming out and being like, Oh, this is my orange mid range because he doesn't want to advertise for Discraft because it's not, he's not sponsored by them. And that big kind of pushback with that, but like you you see Paul McBeth and his Oakley, you know, polo or his Adidas or all these things. Like when does like these started manufacturers start to see like there are a little bit of money to be made here by sponsoring some of these athletes and being able to kind of do it? Because right now, like buy apparel has the lockdown on the majority of jerseys, you know, and being able to kind of distance it either like have them like lock down somebody like Haley King um, and some of these other pros so that they can have a bigger playing this or you see somebody like Reebok you know Reebok when nobody wanted to sponsor CrossFit CrossFit was kind of this you know dark lurking fad of a workout Reebok bought in doubled down on it and then Nike took notice and they came out with their cross treks and was like hey beat us beat us and then they pretty much took over the CrossFit world from Reebok because Reebok noticed there was money in that and then Nike got involved. So I'm curious about some of those like little smaller, you know, companies that are being like, okay, let's, let's get in onto this disc golf world and bring it to that bigger scale. Because I think that's definitely next coming because the moment you're on ESPN and Nike's being like, why, 
why are these highlights and there's no Nike, you know, sponsorship on there. Granted, Nike's a little bit different because they only sponsor sports that they have things for. They don't, you know, go and sponsor just any any old sport. Like Piccolo Ball, it's not going to be picked up by Nike. But somebody like Adidas or Reeboks could come in and, you know, latch that on. And I'm curious about some of these, like Dickerson. You, you, like everyone's so focused on bags, right? Like, oh, well, Ricky's no longer sponsored by Ridge Roller, which means he's going to a place that has to have their own bags because he's going to be pushing them, which is like a sound argument in a lot of regards. But, you know, like are these starting going to be start to be locked in a lot more, you know, via contracts? Hmm. But you did bring up a good point, Josh, around uh, subtle sponsors, like not even, um, I guess I wouldn't even say subtle sponsors, like not main tier sponsors, but you're looking at like, you know, Birdie, for example, up and coming, they're doing great things. They just created their own Marvel putter, you know, non-disclosure agreement. So they can't say who's molding it for them, who the plastic is. They designed this thing, um, but they're sponsoring pros like Ricky like Wysocki, Casey White, Stokely. I think it's Stokely. Anyways, um, but what they're doing, and so, like, they're doing it complementary to some of these other pros and leveraging the world for themselves. You look at somebody like Marweed, since you brought him up, he signed with DGA. Like, I was surprised. I was like, this isn't a top-tier, you know, manufacturer, so why is he signing with DGA? You know, and that's some of the contract I'd be interested in when everyone's signing – you know, 500,000 or 300,000 or million dollar contracts, Marweed went to DGA, which is a Discraft kind of offshoot. And is that his way to get into Discraft, still throw Discraft discs and maybe carry a bigger sponsorship? You know, I'm just, for me, I'm just kind of spitballing, but it's like, I get curious about some of these other like small auxiliary teams that, you know, Costa Plus, for example, like they need a pro or where MVP was before Conrad. Um, seeing like some of these guys, like where there's just some of these like underlying players are well player figuratively in regards to the companies that might make a big push for some of these pros to really get on that spotlight nico to gateway yeah but i've heard i've heard a theory nico to castaplast that'd be or even dickerson that'd be kind of cool just seeing like because think about that would be their one big player kind of like you said um conrad to mvp who who do you know that threw mvp before conrad and then he won a world title if you could get Nico or Dickerson or Haley King, then that might give some validity to Castaplast or Gateway or trying to think of some other smaller brands that might need that big player, might need that big push. But I feel like that's going to be a lot harder to do nowadays, though, because now the bigger name manufacturers who have the money can afford to pay a lot more money, as you're seeing with these contracts that are coming out um, to the public. And there's smaller companies that they're not going to be able to pay the big names as much as, say, um, uh, like, uh, what's, what's a good one here? Like Discraft or uh, Dynamic. I don't know why I slipped my, my, my brain. Uh, that Dynamic Disc is able to, right now, pay out a lot of money for what a player is worth. And you get a company like... West Side, like West Side, probably because they have Prodigy, but like DGA, DGA can't. They're not going to pick up a um, a big, big name because um, I don't think they have the funding to offer them something that will lure them from another company. I don't even know what Marweed makes. Actually, I might disagree with that though. Like, and 
they might not necessarily have it for, you know, like the Paul McBeth or the White Sox who's demanding a million a year, but Elegant Infinite last year, or was it the year before, when they signed Drew Gibson, they were that B-tier company that nobody thought could make that big push for a top-level pro, and then Infinite came, got Gibson, and doubled down on Gibson, but they're also in a position where I feel like they're kind of like everyone's favorite to talk about, like, oh, Dickerson left. Where's Dickerson going? He's going to Infinite. Why would he? You know, like everybody's like pushing these pros, trying to hodgepodge and force them into Infinite. But yeah. they got Oakley. You know, they're they're signing some of these bigger names because they, they took that. And so I feel like there exists a path where some of these smaller companies, like, you know, and I, and I say smaller very loosely because, like, for me, when I think small, I think, you know, terminal velocity. I think, you know, some like smaller like that. But like the, I say these like are small compared to like the big five, right? Trilogy, Discraft, Prodigy, Discmania, and MVP, the big five. Um, I'm glad I, I'm glad I, I just said a number. I'm glad that work can fit. But um, like, so those are the big five. And then these like next tiers down that are looking at them. And that's what I mean by small. That is like the Costaplast. That was MVP two years ago. That's Infinite Disc still. That's, you know, so some of these ones. And so like, they're in his position because what did everybody say about MVP two years ago? Oh, if they don't sign a big pro and that pro, if that pro doesn't be successful, I think they're going to go bankrupt. Right. But they need to sign It's like sign a good pro and that pro needs to show that their discs are viable and that's how they're going to be successful. And that's what they did. And now they're starting to push like further and further. And so infinite, they're more like Drew Gibson does successfully, but also his branded own discs that are slowly coming out, I think um, all these other companies are going to see those gambles are worth it. You know, Westside picking up Matty O and Dynamics picking up these players and well, just Trilogy picking up all these players is going to remind people this year of who exactly they are. You know, the big in Europe argument's not going to be, be said anymore because people are going to throw Trilogy and feel like, oh, yeah, these are viable discs. There are discs from beginners friendly all the way to the advance and everything in between um, with three different companies. Um, four, if you include some of this mania, right? And so like the gambles are starting to become worth it. And so I'm curious about like with cost plus, if they do pick up like, but they need to be aggressive. Some of these other companies need to be aggressive and take those chances and invest those monies and double down. And sometimes, you know, take that little bit of loss for that publicity because, you know, Conrad winning the world championship with MVP Everyone had to have envy, and everybody has an envy, even if it was just to try. Um, and that's helped pretty much pay for Conrad. I get curious about um, – God, I just lost it. But anyways, <laughs> I, get, I, I just get excited about all of, that, all of that stuff because MVP – well, that's where I was going to go. Sorry, I say two different things. But MVP's been – for me, this is a segue. Super quiet this offseason. They just – had a big signing last year in Codrad. They just won a world championship. They just proved all of their discs. And what are they doing this offseason? Super quiet. It reminds me of, like, the Green Bay Packers. So far, though, of, you never huh? know. I mean, we still got a couple big names out I there. I hope so. We yeah. Gotta, yeah. That, that's, like, everyone's pushing, like, Dickerson to MVP because he was on Jomez and he looked at Conrad's disc, and this must mean this is a sign that Dickerson's heading over to MVP, and I hope they do. But they've just been really quiet. Like, you know, you think about – like Gavin, for example, like he went to Dynamic. I'm pretty sure whatever his contract was, MVP could have matched it or maybe exceeded it just a little bit. This based off of who's on their team because they don't have 
you know, three or four top five level pros, right? They have one top ten pro. Um, and so, well, anyways, you know, I, I was I, say, go ahead. Oh, I just say, like, I'm just surprised at how quiet MVP is. They remind me of some of these teams that had a successful season and then did zero in free agency and expected to continue to do, do well. And that's how those teams start to slowly just start to fall apart. I think you might be able to get someone like Nico on a small team by saying, hey, would you like to be our big dog? I think Nico would like to be the number one on someone's team. Like, but was he number one at Westside? But, I mean, think about it. He was number one at Westside, but they also have Latitude. They have Trill, They have Dynamics. So that's kind of all mixed together. So Westside was not really in the public eye. Like, if you asked a, a new disc golf player, they'd probably say Innova, Discraft, and maybe, Di- maybe Dynamic. Maybe. And I think you would be able to get – I don't know Nico personally, but I think you'd be able to get someone saying, like, hey, Nico, would you like to be our number one player? To him, that might be enough to be like, all right, you know, like I'd have my own signature disc. I'd be the cast of last man. That might be something that he was – that might appeal to him. I'm not sure. I, like I said, I don't know him personally. But, I mean, sometimes, like I know in baseball, a lot of times their selling point would be like, you'll be the best player on our team. And a lot of guys are like, okay, yeah, I like that. And I, I can see maybe someone smaller, but I don't think there exists somebody who will, you know, at this point, like – who what company exists for one and who's going to take that chance on him because I, to be honest LeCastro is probably one of the best players that nobody is rooting for um True. he is a grinder he's out there winning you look at you know they did the top 10 highest earners in disc golf and LeCastro is like number six like he's making bank but nobody wants to see him succeed and I think Westside maybe kind of realize some of that too, because you slap uh, LeCastro on the adder, the new adder. He was supposed to be the face of that disc that just came out. And it seemed like nobody was talking about it. Nobody really cared that the adder came out and then they were kind of release him. And now people are picking up the adder and trying it. I feel like he's so toxic like to that community where there's not this huge fandom. There's a, there's a lot of supporters. One of my friends is a huge LeCastro fan but the moment he met him at the Portland Open, he said something genuine. And LeCastro, who gets so much cynicism, or like all the time, took it pers- like took it the wrong way, took it as cynical, and punched him in the chest. <laughs> but in a very like very like nonchalantly, what? right? Like they went to dab and LeCastro like jammed his like fist into the guy's chest, you know, a little bit more aggressively and caught the guy off guard, and the guy was being sincere. So it's like He's so volatile, even to his fans, that it's hard to to think that he's going to go to a place and carry that same weight, even though he's successful, even though he's winning. Um, because, like, I don't think it equates to what these sponsors want, which is sell, which is revenue, which is positive image, which is, hey, I want to go try these discs because this person's throwing it. Like, and I think that's – people are taking notice to that. So that's weird. Me. Yeah, but, uh, like – with Nico, it's just, you know, if you're judging a book by its cover or as much as this cover is allowing you to read into it, um, Nico, like you're saying, he's a, he's a toxic player. And if there's a disc that's, I mean, that's just me personally, and there's a disc that I want to try out and the only, it's only available with Nico's name on it, I'm not going to go purchase that disc just because of how much 
I feel a certain way towards that player. Um, you know, and then hear, you know, hear stories like, like your buddy, you know, the Portland um, tournament. It's like, I don't want to support a player who's going to act like that. And I think that's going to be hard for um, these companies who are looking to pick up a player like him is that he's a risk. You know, he's a, he's, he is more of a risk than a new up and coming player that hasn't proven themselves because at any point Nico could do something and sales are going to drop because people like me are not going to purchase the disc just based on him being part of it. And I say this too, like, you know, I, I haven't met LeCastro personally and I think everybody has a bad story, but it's also easy because he's kind of the villain that everybody wants to, you know, attach all negativity to. And so I will say, like, I think he does get a bad rap a lot of times. We can talk about, like, I talked positively about the grind and the competitiveness of Paul and Ricky. And, you know, and I think that's the same with Castro. People are emotional. People express their emotions, like, differently. We've all been on a course where we missed a putt and we're like, fucking A, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, get, you know, like, we're going to get in our head and move on. And this is just, to me, like, I can look at him for my own, like, professional trained background and be like this is this guy how this guy you know what is it expresses his emotions it doesn't necessarily be what was that passion passion right and it comes out because he cares he wants it and that care and want and that passion manifests itself this way and that's not necessarily negatively but i feel like for him like he could easily get a bad rap just because a lot of people like troll him and they get off on trolling him um both in the real world and on Facebook, right? And on YouTube, there's a 10 minute, uh, what is it, eight putts in 10 minutes from LeCastro. Like, people like to troll him. And so I can see him kind of just, you know, having this kind of aura around him to where my, like I said, like my buddy was very sincere. LeCastro could easily took it the wrong way. And it's so easy to attach his bad rep because everybody sees it and wants to carry on. Um, so I do want to kind of give that caveat that, you know, you never really know with these players. Like, they're still people, right? And I feel like these are closer to humans than a lot of the professional athletes because they don't have, you know, four-year, $70 million contract. They have a four-year, $1 million contract. And they're like, oh, my God, I made it. You know, I get a tour. <laughs> and yeah. That's a and maybe one. he was having a bad day. Who knows? I mean, we've all been there where if someone said something to you like, hey, nice putt, and you thought they, they were sincere and you thought they were kind of being a dick about it, you might be like, you, you moron. Like, you might – you might be kind of ticked off at him. So it is, it is tough sometimes to see that human side of things where it's easy to be a keyboard warrior and be like, man, he sucks. And a lot of people probably think that most of the time when I hear about Nico, it's not a positive light, but I have seen some people say like, he was a very genuine person when I met him in public, he treated my kid very well. And that, so he is human. So I, I, will, I will give him the benefit of the doubt until I meet him. I will try not to pass my judgment. I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Josh, where it's like, eh, do I really want that Nico anvil? Eh, probably not. <laughs> I know he's, he's a sway and usually sways in the opposite direction, but we do have somebody in the comment section who talked about Nico getting caught hot boxing in the car. And that's why Westside dropped him. Is that Which, serious? I don't know if it's serious or not, but, and I'm not going to breathe into that. And I don't want, because I wasn't part of that conversation, but it brings up for me, a good conversation and a spinoff of this whole conversation. The image of a disc golfer, I think, is changing. It used to be, you look at five, ten, two years ago, um, a lot of smoking weed, a lot of drinking, people showing up at 7 a.m. at the golf course, 
with a six-pack in hand. And one of our golf courses are getting threatened to be taken out because there's beer cans and everyone's pissing everywhere. This is kind of very, like, grungy, dirty, um, drunk, like, pot-smoking vibe that the image of a disc golfer was. And I think it's still very, like, real, you know, um, and that's a very real image of it. And But it seems like we're getting away to it. And I know they've always tried to push the professional tour to be similar to golfing. You know, you got to wear your polos. You got to wear, you know, X, Y, and Z. You got to do these things and conduct yourself professionally. But I think about some of the people, like, what did you say, 800% growth in these last 800%. Years? Yeah. 800% growth. What is that image doing? You know, I always joke because I'm in Portland, right? So when a hipster picks up something, they ruin it, you know, but we have a whole country of hipsters picking up the sport and is this image being ruined or is it being better? That's my spinoff question. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like, oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> that's a hard one because like before I was taking, you know, disc golf a little more serious. That I, I, you know, I'm taking, I'm taking it a little bit more serious now and trying to improve my game. And so when I go out and play, like I don't, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't do that any of that anymore while I play because that's just, a, that's just a practice waste. Like, are you going into the WAP? Isn't that how that goes? <laughs> no, <laughs> sorry, go on, go on. Like that's like wasting a whole round of practice by getting, for at least for me, me personally. If I get intoxicated, like I'm not gonna putt great, I'm not gonna throw great, or if I do, I'm not gonna remember how I did it but I'm having a great time. And you know, how I'm using disc golf now is to practice. But when you see these people who come out and they drink and go play and smoke on the course and play, um, I mean, I don't, I personally just don't see a big deal with it. Um, I tournaments 100%. I think the standard for a tournament and how it's portrayed to the children watching the people, the families coming to, you know, show support to, you know, the people that they have close to them playing. Um, I think those kind of environments should be like a drug and alcohol free events um, for those reasons. But just a normal course practice day, I personally don't see a, a huge deal with it. I, I see I see one issue with it. Um, so this game used to be, if you were to like maybe take the average age, I would probably say like 25 to 45 was like the big range of a disc golfer. You know, a lot of people kind of just getting in towards the tail end of college and continuing it, finding the love, um, older gents. But this big push now is this whole idea of growing the game, right? We're wanting younger players to get involved. And for me, nothing worse. I remember playing – it was a non-sanctioned tournament. Um, and so very loose, very casual. But I was on a card with a 13-year-old. And for me, when I'm in tournaments, I abstain from drinking. I abstain from smoking because – for me, any casual round is a practice round, and I, I let loose. And, you know, if my buddies want to drink, I might have a drink with them, whatever. I let loose in a casual round. In the tournaments, I try to, like, turn it on, and just for my own experience. But nothing worse than being with a 13-year-old, and the other two card mates are smoking, they're drinking, um, and he has to be subjected to that. Because for me, it's all about that, that perception. This kid is going to see, hey, this is what a disc golfer is, and – how long till he picks up a cigarette how long till he picks up a beer or you know for me so it's like when you're starting to be around some of these youth and even on the disc golf course on a casual round if i do have a beer in hand or a cider in hand and there's kids around i'm not pulling it out 
But also, looking at the vast majority of disc golf courses are probably pretty close to a public park, you know? And so, like, how are you conducting yourself in a public park setting for these people to look? You know, everyone will, like, judge, like, a homeless man at the edge of a park drinking on his own, but nobody would then judge a disc golfer who's walking around the park drinking, you know? And so, for me, it's just, I always encourage people to be aware of your surroundings and aware of what you're are perpetuating, like, forward. Um, and that's my only one little pushback on that because this image is changing. This game is changing. Families are getting involved. Kids are looking at it as viable as a career option and a professional sport to grow into. Um, the more I start to bring this to other communities and like introduce it to like impoverished communities, the more like I need to get away from that. But also if it's jeopardizing some of our parks, if I have the ability to drink or play disc golf, I'm always going to choose disc golf. And if, drinking is going to jeopardize one of my disc golf courses i will then take that stance because i would rather play the disc golf course and then allow you to drink um that's my own like i said like my very own personal opinion and because a lot of these times they don't go hand in hand they shouldn't go hand in hand together because there are parks when you're you know shit, you can get a felony for whooping out your dick and pissing in a park um and doing that on a disc golf course you're you're within 500 feet <laughs> of that park. So, anyways, no. in some parks, and I, I'm sorry for my vulgar language, but it's like, oh yeah, being aware of some of these things and how they like interact. You're not just isolated. You're not just on a disc golf course by yourself, and there's no outside world. That there are these connecting and uh, contributing factors. And I'm sorry, episode one, if I took this hot take and you're just those smokers and drinkers, and you're like, fuck you, Paige. I am sorry, guys. But whoa. I just, no, but you, you bring up very, very valid points, you know, and when I'm, when I'm saying my stance on it, where I don't see a big deal with it, this is also coming from someone who back when I was practice, like I was playing disc golf, um, just for the hell of it. And, you know, drinking and whatnot on the course, I'm using a koozie. And if I'm doing something, I'm doing it out. Like if somebody saw me from afar, they wouldn't know what I was doing, but not everyone does that. Not everyone picks up their trash. And it's all it takes is a few people to ruin it for everyone. Um, the concept of it is the part that I'm like, I don't really see a big point in it, but if we want growth and we want these parks to stay open and clean, it, it might come to a point where, you know, drinking and smoking is not something that happens on a course. So I definitely agree uh, with many aspects of what you're saying, Paige. Oh, um, I, I, uh, I'm a hundred percent for, sanctioned and tournaments to be alcohol and tobacco free for one my very first tournament it was just like a b level i think i played like rec and first tournament the one guy is just smoking and he was like totally oblivious to him being right in front of your face and smoking and blowing i'm thinking I i'm a very competitive person so i will not do something that will kind of uh take away from my performance i'm not going to drink the night before i'm not going to do anything like that i want to beat you so when he was just doing all that, great. He was there for having fun. He didn't really care to win. But at the same time, smoking, I've, as a health and PE teacher, I have a pet peeve of that anyway. So, um, but he, he almost ruined that first time for me because I kept thinking, like, what if I get put on a card again with someone who is going to, you know, smoke the whole time or litter or, you know, just start peeing wherever you want. And I'm thinking if this is tournaments, like, do I really want to do this? Because I'm thinking I, I was in competitive volleyball for years. At sand leagues, maybe you might see someone drinking a little bit, but you never saw someone like serving a volleyball with like a, uh, 
cigarette in their mouth. You don't see you don't see LeBron James Duncan with like a menthol hanging out. It's just it's I would rather be performing at a better level. And kind of what Paige said, two of the four parks that we play our league at are public parks. So you shouldn't be drinking or smoking there anyways for all the signs. Um, and the other two are Christian camps. So they also are very anti that. Um, if you are playing for fun and it's a casual round and you can be respectful, I think I, I have no problem. If you are going to be around other people and you've asked the three people, four people in your card, do you mind if I drink? Do you mind if I have a cigarette? Do you mind if I vape? Whatever. And there's no kids around. 100% you're out in the woods. It's all about perception. But if you're going to be stumbling around drunk, if you are going to be like you miss a putt and you scream the F word so everyone in a 200-foot radius can hear you, then I got a problem with it. Um, it makes me think of watching a baseball game. David Ortiz struck out. He got mad, and he went in the dugout with a baseball bat and broke a bunch of stuff. And I, in my head, I'm thinking how many impressionable young kids just saw a grown man making millions of dollars who didn't get his way. So he broke stuff. You're teaching kids. If you want to, you know, Josh, you're part of grow it. Paige, you're part of grow it. Uh, I teach disc golf in my curriculum. I'm not sitting there saying like kids, if you miss a putt, break your putter in half. It's okay to be human. It's okay to be frustrated, but I do not want to teach these kids, these young impressionable people that it's okay. If you don't get your way to freak out, that's not how the real world's going to work. I can't get mad and crash my car into someone and be like, eh, you know, I was upset. Don't worry about it. That's not how it works. So it's all about perception. It's all about being respectful. If you can smoke, put your butt out and you carry it with you, you're trapped. Like same thing. When I bring snacks out with me, I don't just eat my snacks and throw it somewhere. I put, I have a little spot in my bag. My trash goes in there. If I have anything else, it goes with me. I, I like to take more out than I bring more in. Well, I think, I mean, our big thing, I, I, I know it's, I might sound like, we're preaching to you or stating some of the obvious. I think for us, like, well, at least I guess for me, I can't want to talk for us, but for me, the main point is just being responsible with some, all of this stuff and being like aware of your surroundings. Yeah. Um, you know, like I think golf, we, we like, we talk about some of the positives of golf. Um, but when you go to a golf course and there's all that drinking on a golf course, that is a private course, right? That a lot of times you're with your buddies, you're on your car, they're big fairways, and there's no playgrounds around and realizing that this is where some of those separations do exist. Um, so just being responsible and encouraging guys to be responsible and aware of that. And I know sometimes that's hard for people to hear of that self-responsibility and that emotional regulation. Um, but, you know, we challenge you, I guess we always challenge people to be better. Um, Would you do it in front of your own kids? That's what I think. Like if, if somebody did that in front of your kids, if someone was smoking a blue cigarette smoke in my kid's mouth, I'd be upset. So I would definitely not do that to them. The parks I play at, like I said, two of them are Republic, both you play up through or around a playground. Like you can see kids. So if I miss a putt and I say something or if I throw down trash or if I'm sitting there chugging a beer, how many kids are going to see me? How many kids are going to see a grown man doing that? Like, no, I don't want that example. I don't want someone to see disc golf and think that's what disc golf is. Like I thought it was something cool. Like uh, it's just a bunch of alcoholics or, and like I said, I got no problem with people that drink and smoke. Your, your choice, whatever. But when it starts affecting other people and their perception, then I have a problem with it. Yeah, I mean, the, the image is changing. The, the game is changing. And dislike, and, you know, I, I, I laugh. LeBron James is a center now, and he's dominating centers. It's like, 
as the game changes, this guy continues to change and still dominate. As long as, you know, like disc golf and like, the game's continuing to change, change with it. Smile and adjust, you know. This is a game that we all love, and it's no longer a secret. It's no longer, you know, you and a few buddies going to the course and doing it. The world is aware of disc golf. I had some of the most random people sending me Philo Albatross, and I was like, you know how old this is? I've seen this time and time again. I've played that course. I've shot that hole. I've tried to recreate that shot. I have seen this, but these are random people that have no ties to disc golf that are now aware of it. And for me, that's truly exciting because this game is growing. It's not a secret. We're having conversations. I've met so many people over this last couple of years in quarantine that just started and they're doing it, I feel like, the right way and being aware of what that, I guess, I guess right, right might be the wrong word, but they're doing this positive way and being aware of what that positive like looks like. I think for me, it's really exciting because you're seeing a time where you're going to have these kids growing up and being like, oh, I want to be a disc golfer. I want to be Paul McBeth. I want to be Eagle and Man. And they're going to do those things. And they're going to, you know, they're going to be these people. And, you know, I listened like when LeBron talked about like, oh, I could have, I had to choose football, basketball. I chose basketball. I want to hear some of those players to be like, I wanted, I had to go basketball or disc golf. I chose disc golf, <laughs> you know, because also, Injury rate is a little bit lower. Um, the recovery rate from those injuries are a lot higher and positive. You don't necessarily have the career-ending injuries in disc golf like you do in some other sports. Definitely don't have concussions. Definitely don't have, you know, like, so for me, like, I'm all right now. I mean, obviously, I love disc golf, but I'm all, like, if kids can have this as, a like, an option, like, piccolo ball is picking up, and it's like, I played piccolo ball in high school, and nobody cared <laughs> that that was a thing. Now it's a thing, like. All these alternatives. That's the one with the big paddles? Yeah, like yeah. giant ping pong. Yeah. Um, but not so bouncy of balls. Um, like ping pong meets tennis. But it's like, you know, that becomes a, like it becomes alternative sports. And I think alternative sports are really important in this day and age. Um, because when you have people that are staring at their phones and their computers all day, being able to independently step away and do something. I think is more important. Like I think ultimate Frisbee, one of the hardest things with ultimate Frisbee that I always hear is organizing a game to happen. <laughs> you know, the ability to step out and do this on your own, I think is cool in a social way um, or independently. I mean, I play by myself and I, I do that every morning. And so it's like, well, being able to get out there. So I know, I know the image is changing and I think it's for the better. And I think it's a positive direction. And there's a lot that's happening. We got maybe time. We got 15 minutes, guys. So our goal with our podcast, and maybe I'll have to make this note now, we used to go for an hour and a half, two hours, just talking and rhyming <laughs> and riffing. Um, but we're going to try to limit it to 45 minutes to an hour. I think this is usually how we can get people's attention in this short amount of time. Anything longer, I feel like we start to maybe rant, ramble, lose interest and so we want to try to keep it to this 45 minute to an hour mark for you all um i think most commutes are about 45 minutes to an hour so if you can listen to us in your commute i think that's for the better but just stating our intentions i'm i'm one for always stating our intentions moving forward um and so that's what i'm going to be my best to be transparent in all that i do love it do we should we try and squeeze in one more question or no i think so like the next question that we have i mean that's what i thought if you if you could play a course with only three discs, what three discs would you bring? Can we make fifteen minutes out of that? 
Yeah, absolutely. Do are we including putters as a disc or no? Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, three you get three discs. Okay. Minis don't count. A mini disc does not count. <laughs> All right, I'll start with this one. All right, so I would I would probably bring um, my P two, a D line P two, a path uh, thought space pathfinder. Oh no, I'll take that one back. Okay, the P two, a dis dismania razor claw, and then a thought space um, athletics animus. So P two tactic animus. So you got your putter mid is animus. Is, is that considered a fairway or distance? It's 11 speed. It's like a wraith, but yeah. Okay. I, I know it's like kind of like a, a faster PD, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, kind of. Uh, I'd say yeah, faster CD two slash PD, I guess, depending on the runs. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I mean, I'd find it close to a wraith. I'd say wraith. Yeah. Like the newer wraiths, like where they're a little bit, they start stable, like overstable to stable versus like the understable to stable of the old wraiths. Yeah, I yeah. finally got one of my anim my animuses animus eyes animuses to uh, enemy to do Anima. a uh, like flip. octopus octopod octopod. I got it beat in enough to to heiser flip, which I'm super excited about. I don't know. You've probably got that cannon finally. What? <laughs> my it's, three discs. I mean, yeah. I think everyone knows, you know, what my three discs are at this point. Um, depending on the weather. Either glow or D line P two for my pudding, um, five five O two claw MD three color glow blue flat, um, and a second run CD two. I'll take those and I'll probably shoot some of my best rounds ever because I'm not worrying about trying other discs. I'm throwing what's comfortable. I choose these discs because you know anything from three twenty on in I can hit with my mid range. And then I can, you know, putt. And then anything from 420 on down, I can hit with my CD2. But with my CD2, I can control all angles. So I can hyzer, I can turn over, I can hyzer flip, I can hyzer flip to fade and come back. I can do so many things with it that if I was only to throw one driver in a course, that's going to get, I mean, even when I went to nationals, played three courses blindly, it was still like 75% of my shots were my second run CD2. Um, come wind. Anything I kind of work the angles and just is my most tricks of discs. So those three discs I think are my go tos. Probably just three gremlins. Just three gremlins. Uh, let's see. Mine would be my first. Go on. Uh, probably my soft blend Emac Judge, my Lucid X Chameleon Truth, and then my Grace, my Latitude sixty four Grace. So Emac Truth. That's just my putter, and I can throw it. So um, that would just be my all-around throwing putter. My truth, I can get up to close to 300 probably around. And it's a little, in Lucid X, it's a little bit more stable. I, I couldn't, I didn't know if I was going to pick my hex or my verdict, but my verdict would might be a little too overstable in that slot. And then I didn't know if I was going to pick my T-Bird 3 or my Grace, but my Grace is kind of, taken over my wraith slot where it can fight wind if i need it to just depends on the angle i put it on but it just bombs it like i i started carrying just like i just got one of these a shift and i carry now like 12 discs and even then i can go to a, a park and probably pull out only five and most of the time it's my putter 
then it's either my verdict or truth or hex, and then either my T-Bird 3 or my Grace. So it's just something that I would rather do, and I'd rather be good with, I'd rather be good with a couple discs than okay with a bunch of discs. So why, what's the point of being a, what, a jack of all trades and a master of none? But if you have something and you're good at it, why not? So for you all that are joining us for the first time, you just witnessed why Cody is the absolute worst. <laughs> We've given him three discs to choose from. How many did he name? Hey, I told many, you. Oh, 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 is up. And <laughs> so it's just like, you guys joined us for the first time. Cody is the worst. He will never give That's you true. a definitive answer. And though he listed three, he also had like 20 backups for those threes as justification for those three, but also why he would throw those other, you know, see like Cody's the worst guys. Just, just learn it here. Watch it firsthand unravel. Um, what I really love with just like those three discs and we're wrapping up on our time guys. Um, those that are aware you'll, you become, that's all right. Like that's what I love about our podcast. That's what I love about the community disc golf lounge is the diverse, like the diversity of what we throw. You had me very disc mania focused, obviously, that's something that I, I do throw and I don't hide it. But you had Josh, who was Dismania, Thought Space Athletics, and what is the other one? Why am I missing it? Oh, it was just, it was just DM and Thought Space. Okay, DM and Thought Space. That's right. It was Razor Claw. And then you had Cody, who's Dynamic Trilogy, um, Infinite. It was Dismania. It was, you know, all of these other brands. But <laughs> that's one of our goals is that <laughs> we represent, obviously, like our own biases, but we're diverse in what we've thrown. Um, I throw a lot of Discmania, but I've thrown almost every disc out there multiple times. I go back and I revisit and I remind myself why I chose what I choose. So like I spent this off season throwing a buzz and then I put an MD3 back in my bag and realize I love my MD3. Um, I'm never done exploring. So for me, my kind of closing thoughts is just that, you know, continue to like, subscribe, listen to us on Spotify, but come to us for the diversity the biases, the the honesty, and full transparency. So for me, that's those are my closing thoughts. Josh, um, yeah, I mean, hitting back on the uh, how you present yourself in this world is how you're seen. So when you're out on that disc golf course, just uh, make disc golf proud of you. Do things that you and your friends can laugh about and everyone else just has no idea what you're doing and you're doing great. Man, you took mine. Um, I would say, guys, um, my final thoughts is make a positive difference. Think about um, if you see a new player, maybe they ask for help, help them. Take, a, take the time out, ask them if they – Hey, do you want to try this? Do you want, I keep backups in my car where sometimes where I've had, I've seen a family out there that was sharing three discs. I was like, here, I got a disc. You can have it. So now, um, so think about kind of like Josh and Paige are on team grow it. How can you actually grow the game? Can you be a positive influence or can you be a negative? We all, we talked about someone on this podcast that we were, that is known as being a negative influence. How can you be a positive? Well, define that for yourself, right? Yeah, I think that's all it all comes down to too as well. Like I'm a big fan. I'm a, 
a big believer in definition define these terms for yourself and then live up to those terms you know if being positive with some of these things um then do it you know if you have your own definition as long as you can like leave that course and feel like hey i was positive then that's fine um and do it in that respectful way so for me guys thank you for joining us on jammers in the rough we're looking forward to 2022 and doing this weekly with you so keep jamming it in the rough <laughs>